If you have an old kettle that takes ages to boil, it may cost you £20 to replace it. But if you get a new one, you'll save £10 a year for every year on your... £10 a year every year on your electricity bill. Pork markets. I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. It's a lifetime guarantee. Take what you want both night and day. Then re-record, not fade away. Re-record, not fade away. Re-record, not fade away. Pork markets. May I talk to your manager? Well, go on, Boris. <laughs> Oh, top of a merry morn to you, it's Chappie, your British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese is the name and the game of this podcast. A carb-laden masterpiece of nonsense and mediocrity. Welcome along to the program. So, I don't know if anybody you've ever been raided by the police. Let's hope you haven't been. Uh, but this poor chap was raided by the police. He wasn't even arrested. And on the police raid, Boris Johnson was there. Just imagine Boris Johnson at the end of your bed at five o'clock in the morning. Probably with bed hair, maybe a shirt slightly untucked. This is Boris's last week in office and he decided to go on a police raid. I would probably, in myself, if the Prime Minister was at the end of the bed. Now he's been at the end of many beds before, as we know from uh, days of yore. Young ladies had in the bed. Almost like an unwanted stocking at the end of the bed. But uh, I don't think his poor chap had actually done anything wrong. But he ended up waking up in the morning. You know, you don't want to be woken up by loud crashing and banging or the cock crowing. But by Boris Johnson at the end of your bed on his last week in office. Yeah, that's quite a way to wake up. Anyway, welcome along to the program. My dear father has uh, has ha- been in the wars recently. Gout in each foot. Now he uh, has a terrible, had a terrible toothache. I went to the dentist, I believe, today. But we're going through sort of miracle cures you know, rather than uh, oxycodone or any, <laughs> anything very powerful in terms of painkillers. So, yeah. Swigging your mouth with a little bit of scotch, that really does help uh, a toothache. It numbs the tooth. I don't know if I would swallow the scotch after swigging it round a rotten tooth. I'm not too sure about that. And also a little bit of turmeric. You know, just, I do the powder. That's why I have a yellow tongue. That's why I'm not allowed to see any, anybody before 11 o'clock in the morning. And you just sort of move the tongue around and put it on the teeth and... And everything it really i mean it meant, it's meant to whiten the teeth it also helps all sorts of ailments in the stomach i mean i'm one of the biggest proponents i should be it should be keep calm and cauliflower cheese sponsored by turmeric that's what it should be but if it was sponsored by turmeric it'd probably be a slightly yellowy version of the cauliflower you know i don't know if i want the yellowy version of my keep calm and cauliflower cheese i want it cheesy 
I want it nice and uh, nice and crisp, lots of florets, but I don't know if I want necessarily the yellow version of, uh, of the aforementioned podcast here. Uh, you could also try a little bit of the Miracle Cure, the British ointment, which is called Germaline. I've mentioned this on the book. It's, it, it's absolutely marvellous. I mean, for bug bites, stops them seeing that, you know, it has some antiseptic in it. But I, I put a little bit of blob of that on the tooth. You know, you're probably not meant to. It's probably killing me slowly or killing me softly. Who knows? Uh, but that that does that helps as well if you've got a, a little bit of a toothache here. So straight up at the start of the show, we're giving you uh, real public service broadcasting here. Does anybody know? I mean, maybe I should talk to a psychotherapist, a therapist, a shrink. Who knows about my addiction to ginger biscuits? And uh, I, I really like the ones with a sort of candied ginger in there as well. Oh my gosh. So good for the stomach as well. My stomach feels tremendous today. I don't know about my teeth, but my stomach feels rather, rather marvellous. Uh, and I, uh, I, I'm, I'm afraid I was a little bit of a traitor, as I was to the BG Tips drinking now Yorkshire tea. I was a little bit of a traitor to the ginger nuts. I'm trying uh, the, uh, the Scottish version of the... Uh, I think it's called Scots, isn't it? They make wonderful mince pies as well mistaken they're not called scots they're called walkers walker stem ginger biscuits yeah don't don't probably don't shouldn't look at the calories here maybe put that to one side but uh, they're scottish it's full of tartan it reminds me of the old joke what does a scotsman keep under his kilt ginger nuts obviously you know so it's september but just imagine what's round the corner oh here we go It's 114 days till... Only 114 days till... Oh, no. 114 days. So how many shopping days is that? We've got 113 shopping days left. I mean, there will be people putting up their Christmas decorations probably today or yesterday. Okay, coming up on the show today, here we go, let's get into the show, let's get into the meat and drink of this uh, marvellous little podcast uh, we have here. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to the Great Vinegar Disaster. Uh, yes, there was a Great Vinegar Disaster in my fridge last week, but it turned out to be an absolute revelation. Also, have you seen on uh, going from something cheerful like Christmas to The End Is Nigh on Peacock, where Bill Nye... Uh, goes over different scenarios to the end of the world. I mean, he kicked off with uh, four incredibly large hurricanes all over the world. I mean, it wasn't the end of the world, but it was a pretty uh, pretty nasty disaster mixed with a uh, sprinkling of comedy. You know, so maybe we'll be talking about that as well. Uh, I also burnt myself on a hot zipper the other day. I found a new, brilliant protective eye cream. And it's from one of your favorite dairy products as well. Uh, have, can you over-volumize your milk? Can you over-froth your milk? Well, I did the other day as well. The most interesting man in the world, and he doesn't look very thirsty to me, but he looks very in shape, lives here in Chappie Towers. And um, I uh, over-deated myself the other day. I sprayed all around, I mean, all in sundry, with the DEET mosquito spray. 
but it wasn't quite enough. And we'll explain to you why it wasn't wasn't enough. Uh, also, your DIY uh, wart remover will be going. Uh, it's, I mean, there's two things I uh, I sort of harp on about all the time. One's turmeric, turmeric, and uh, and also I, I love the apple cider vinegar as well. I've got another revelation for apple cider vinegar. Plus, we'll be uh, probably uh, pigeonholing and uh, elbowing in some of the topics from last week that I never got around to. It's just very, very full. And we'll see if they fit in, like uh, the jigsaw piece that was missing, or if I'm trying to force a round peg into a square hole. So last week, uh, not just for the uh, promotion within this actual podcast, I decided to live a week on really just an egg diet. I don't know if you've ever tried just an egg diet. I mean, I probably should check my cholesterol now here. But uh, I, I just wanted to see what would happen. So this is what the science says. So an egg diet has a lot of protein. There'll be some evidence that a high protein diet will help you lose weight. However, many people do not consume enough other foods to meet their daily needs. In addition, you have to have the physical uh, activity as well. Eggs are an excellent source of protein, but if you exclude other foods, including vegetables and fruits from your diet, you're likely to suffer the protein deficiency. This can lead to fatigue, appetite loss, and reduced ability to fight off infections. So I've gone from an egg diet one week to a ginger biscuit diet this week. There is some evidence that suggests that those on an egg diet may experience muscle loss. Well, it could be that. There's a knots on cotton here, isn't it? Although this effect is not seen in other studies, it's possible that removing other nutrients from your body by focusing on exclusively one type of food means you're likely to fail to provide it with anything else needed to function properly. The main problem with the egg diet is it's very low in vitamins and minerals and some evidence that following an egg diet only eggs can cause problems with muscle loss and indeed weakness. And obviously the cholesterol situation as well probably uh, probably doesn't help here. Eggs are a good source of protein, but they shouldn't be the only thing you consume. Somebody should have told me this before. Six grams of protein per egg, one ounce of raw eggs is about 50 calories. Now, I don't think I've ever done the, uh, the, the raw egg before. It's meant to be a very good hangover cure. If you would like a terrible hangover, you should just uh, down an egg. People have been eating eggs for food for thousands of years. The ancient Egyptians mummified them with sugar and made jewelry out of them. In Europe during World War II, soldiers were given eggs, but they're seen as a quick way to get vital nutrients into themselves. But you wouldn't want to be stuck in the trenches with somebody just eating only eggs. And that's probably the way I was stuck in my trench most of the week here. And it's a bit of a sulfur problem, isn't it? You sort of repeat, everything repeats and it's that sort of sulfuric or sulfurous taste in the mouth and other areas as well. I mean, it's not a very pleasant, uh, it, yeah, not very pleasant smelling like mustard gas, and uh, yeah, it's very, 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 very good. So you probably shouldn't, shouldn't have an egg-based diet for the whole week. That's the uh, that's the lesson one has to learn, I think. Um, and you know, unless you're alone. But also, it's, you know, it's, if you've got dogs living with you, it's very rude to them with the old sniffers. They have the most sensitive nose in the world. And if you're on a pure egg sulfur diet, I mean, the poor hounds, the poor pups. 
I mean, I alluded uh, last week to losing my uh, my underwear. It's not like I own one pair of uh, pantaloons. Yeah, no, I have I have several pairs. Although I have had very kindly more gifted to me recently, uh, because there is a there is a fear, and I mentioned this back in June, I think, that uh, I might uh, reveal the holy moly uh, version of my underwear. Yeah, which nobody should ever see. That is, you know, the perforated underwear leaves little to the imagination. But I did lose my underwear, and the bed linens, the bed sheets, are a vortex to also. We talked about uh, washing machines and uh, dryers mainly. Dryers are like a vortex for losing socks and underwear. Uh, but also bed linens are as well. I mean, I guess it depends when you take them off at the uh, end of the evening. But uh, I-, I lost mine the other week. And uh, I had no clue, uh, going back to my house, and um, I don't know where they were. I mean, I looked, I didn't want to wake my darling up at like six in the morning, get back dogs and have a full English breakfast, for God's sake, you know. Um, so I had to go back commando, but you have to make sure there's enough loops on your belt to tighten that baby up, because you don't want any slippage, you know, when, it, when it's the crack of morning... When dawn, dawn breaks and it's a creaking crack of the morning, you don't want to be uh, upsetting uh, your Uber driver, do you? I mean, you just don't want to do that, really. I mean, yeah. we could get a bad Uber review. I mean, if you showed a bum crack to your Uber driver, what do you think you'd get? Maybe 3.5 out of 5? Maybe even a 2.5? Or, or who knows? They may rate you highly, depending on uh, how attractive your bottom crack really is. Who knows? But yes, they have been found. Uh, they have been found. They have been uh, put in the boil wash. Although I've started washing everything on the lower temperature. And I don't, I mean, I, I know it's great for the environment, but I don't know if it's getting out those mustard stains. And can I tell you this? The English mustard, you know, leaves you a little bit of a spicy tip you know, t- on the tip of your tongue. The English mustard is, is very, very spicy, very, very lovely. That Coleman's mustard. But I can get Coleman's mustard stains out of uh, out of a white trouser. I can't for the French's yellow. There must be so much dye in the French's yellow mustard. I've tried uh, stain devils. I tried rubbing in OxyClean. Love no money. Can I get that yellow stain? Uh, sadly, you know, I was eating a bratwurst the other day. Ooh, uh, misses, yes. Yeah, no, not like that. Come on, get your minds out of the proverbial gutter. And, uh, you know, the sauerkraut, a lot of jalapenos on there. And um, the mustard, like, ejected, some might say ejaculated, all over my uh, all over my crotch. And you can't get the yellow mustard out uh, as much as you try. Um, I mean, maybe I need some old-fashioned carbolic soap or something, but it's a real, a real problem. I'd put some elbow grease into it as well, but still, it's the telltale signature, the, the mustard's autograph on the khaki shorts. All you regular listeners would remember how much I love the Beagles documentary um, that was produced last year. I think it was around Christmas time, wasn't it? November, December. Get back absolute marvelous the um suspense over which album by the beatles might be next in line to get a remix and bonus filled box set treatment is over it's officially revolver 
I think probably my favourite Beatles album uh, that uh, I listened to whilst I was writing my dissertation at university. I went and bought it and I listened to it almost on repeat and never got bored of it for several weeks, maybe five weeks in. So Apple Corp's Universal Music have confirmed that the deluxe celebration of the 1966 release, which like Beatles boxes have preceded it, will include a Giles Martin remixes in the pipeline sometime in September. Revolver had been widely speculated amongst fans as the next in the series. Previously, the box sets and remix of the series started with Sgt. Pepper's 1967's, The White Album 1968, Abbey Road 1969, and last year, Let It Be 1970. Having reached the end of the Beatles road of the group with the last release, it may make sense that they might go back a little bit. Revolver, the album before Sgt. Pepper. So that's going to be released sometime here in the uh, in the near future some beetle maniacs may have been skeptical that apple would uh, be able to produce remixes of the pre-sergeant pepper albums that match what martin's already done with the latter part of the band's catalog this was due to the fact the albums through 1966 were recorded to more basic four back four track masters when multiple instruments and vocals were often squeezed into a single track at a time when mono was still considered the standard, the stereo mixes prior to Pepper often sound bizarre to the modern ear. But uh, with key elements relegate, relegated entirely to the left or right side, many Beatles fans relished at finally getting a more holistic mix of Revolver and the albums that preceded it. Martin said, I'm looking for ten- technology to do something with it, something really innovative with Rubber Soul and Revolver as opposed to just a remastering job, because it's been remastered already. So I think we will, and we'll also look at some of the outtakes also. So a British man this week went viral for trending and guessing what all 50 states the United States of America are famous for without Googling. So here we go. We'll give you the rundown. Idaho. Best of my knowledge, Idaho, famous for making potatoes. Maine, uh, famous for lobsters and weird accents. Nevada, to my best knowledge, Nevada is famous for losing all your money in the desert. Kansas. Uh, Wizard of Oz, obviously. Michigan, best of my knowledge, Michigan is famous for having a city that has enough cars, uh, more uh, made enough cars that everybody could leave. Delaware, uh, yeah, Delaware isn't famous. Uh, Florida, well, Delaware, uh, that's, that's where Biden comes from, isn't it? Florida is famous for literally every news article that makes Europe, oh God, that country. Missouri. Is famous for having a place called Kansas City just to confuse people. Iowa. Iowa is famous for corn and nothing else. Illinois. Illinois is a famous for a place called the Windy City. As if that's a positive trait. Arizona. Famous where Satan goes on vacations to get some heat. Oklahoma. Famous for the musical. Wyoming. Big field with uh, a buffalo in it. Georgia. Famous for being on the end of some TV shows we see over here. Maybe it has peaches. Pennsylvania is where the Amish live. Apparently, are just like our European Dutch people. Uh, Washington uh, is famous for not being Washington, D.C., but also a town, I think, Washington is where Frazier lives, apparently. Connecticut is famous for where Bostonians stop to get gas on the way to New York City. Uh, we have Hawaii, best place. Hawaii is a beautiful place, once had royalty, then deposed a queen that wrote a book, and also Spam. Uh, California is famous where people can get wine and get exploited. Uh, Nebraska, 
Uh, it's famous for being flat and that's some quite achievement. Uh, also, we have the Dakota. North Dakota's famous for nothing I've literally heard of. Mississippi, famous for hillbillies. Bont, uh, famous for the home of the famed socialist and progressive politician Bernie Sanders and cheese. Texas, uh, big trucks and small penises. Uh, Kentucky, famous for chicken and fast food places. Minnesota, uh, saying, oh yeah. Like in the movie with the pregnant lady and uh, Steve Buscemi. Uh, Alaska is famous for being in Canada. Alabama is famous for having uh, their fingers crossed when they surrendered. Utah is famous uh, for morons and preppers and general nut jobs gathered together to be alone. New Hampshire is famous for being nothing like actual Hampshire. Uh, West Virginia is famous for, well, there's Virginia. And then there's West Virginia. Well, you should really just get your shit together, shouldn't you? Arkansas, famous for absolutely nothing. Indiana, named after Indiana Jones. New Mexico is famous for being nothing like actual Mexico. Colorado didn't exist until they invented weed a few years ago. Massachusetts is famous for the Matt Damon movies. South Carolina being south of North Carolina. Tennessee is famous for people saying, I do declare, and people fanning themselves on porches. Virginia, to the best of my knowledge, uh, is famous for tricking me. I thought there was a, one of those states where there's a north and a south because of that song. I was expecting to find a deal with East and West Virginia separately. Wisconsin, the best one, is famous for Americans pretending to make cheese and indeed fail. North Carolina is famous for inventing the phrase, is Pepsi okay? Ohio is famous for at least having one talented astrophysicist. Montana famous for making and being a mountain that people live on. New Jersey is famous for nothing being like actual Jersey. South Dakota is uh, famous for nothing I've literally even heard of. Oregon is famously named after the herb. Uh, other than that, this whole place is news to me. New York is famous for, New York is famous for nothing like actual York. Rhode Island is famous for being an island. Maryland is famous for being a theme park brimming with people called Mary. Uh, Louisiana is famous for somebody called Louise living there, and it was cool. I think they were pretty astute geographical uh, and cultural observations by that young fellow. I'd love to see an American, though, do the same thing with the UK. Because I, I think um, I often get, oh my God, are you from London? No. No, I'm not. I'm from East Anglia. Are you from London? No, I'm from East Anglia. Is that in England? England? And you just give up and say you're from London. Do bees travel overseas in search of sexual adventure? Silly keepers find out. Now, we're not talking about, you know, silly, silliest, silly, silly, nonsense-seeking stupid beekeepers we're talking about beekeepers from the isle of silly although you'd probably be silly to go anywhere near a bee's reproductive organs because i imagine the stings near there isn't it and i, I mean the thing is though if, if you're very if you're a supple bee is it possible to sting oneself that could be rather painful isn't it because if you're good at like uh, you know tummy crunches or something along those lines do you think bees can actually sting themselves if they're doing their sort of morning yoga and they're doing the downward dog position, you might 
sting you sting yourself somewhere. It's very it's very upsetting. Don't really want to think about that though. Um, armed with eco-friendly marker pens, a colour code and protective suits, beekeepers on the Isle of Scilly are set out to disprove the belief that bees do not cross water. An idea first dreamt up in a pub where all good ideas often come. Salonian beekeepers have launched a project called the Game of Drones because they are convinced that the bees are island hoppers with drones flying from the Archipelago Islands in search of the Virgin Queen. I mean, that could be a new Game of Thrones, isn't that? Isn't the Virgin Queen, that was Elizabeth I, wasn't it? I'm sure Philippa Gregory has written the Virgin Queen. More than about bees, though, or bees doing yoga and accidentally stinging themselves. Hundreds of male bees have been marked on the thorax. That sounds rather painful. With a fluorescent yellow pen, perhaps? Maybe a different colour, maybe a pink. With different coloured dots to denote the five inhabited islands with blue for Briar, orange for St Agnes, red for St Martin's, green for St Mary's, and purple for Tresco. As soon as a bee from a different coloured dot turns up on an island, where does it not belong? I mean, I'd love to see that Excel spreadsheet, wouldn't you? It's all be all beautifully colour-coded, though. Jilly Halliday has spent the past few, past few days inspecting hives in search of her evidence. She said the harbour master, Henry, is retired for now and he was on Tresco and is full of the most amazing stories. I thought Henry might have been a bee for a second there. Of course the bees cross the water. In my time I've seen been out on a boat and the bees have been smashing into the windscreen as I've been crossing the water and had to open the window to let the bees come through. It is thought that the female worker bees may island hop to forage but it's not known if the drones are prone to expiration. The project is to find out uh, a joint one between the Polynesian, the Wildflower Collective and the Beecraft Magazine. Love to be writer for the Beecraft magazine. Halliday, a former florist who took a beekeeping course about 10 years ago, described the view the bees are afraid to be flying over water as mainland talk and said, oh, those land, oh, those land lovers, those bees can fly. I tell you, they fly miles. I mean, they fly over. The sea would be huge for us. Nick Bentham Green, a trustee of the Bee Improvement and Bee Breeders Association, said, we know that this is happening. We're absolutely sure of it. Bees don't cross water. And we're trying to prove once and for all, not anecdotally, but scientifically, that the drones do not cross the water. He said the drones travel long distances away from their colony in search of virgin queens. The non-toxic chalk-based pens cause no harm or discomfort to the bees, luckily. As it's going across the coom, you can also gently mark on the thorax. Some of them will run away a bit in case you just pick it up gently, hold it by the thorax and mark it on its back. I mean, this is why these guys are silly. They're not just from the silly eyes. They're silly trying to do this. The distances between the eyes are silly. Uh, 40 kilometers, 25 miles off land's end vary from 500 meters to a few kilometers. Evidence has been found that the drones drift between hives on some island, but none of this has been confirmed as island hopping. I just knew that story would have a nasty sting in the tail. So there's scientists out there holding bees by the thorax and gently marking non-toxic chalk on the thorax and then measuring and putting down an Excel sheet where they fly to. I myself had done my own scientific experiments this week. Uh, when I was uh, living on uh, just my egg diet for a week, uh, and I mean, I think living on eggs, uh, just eggs, can probably make one go insane and this is probably what happened and I was thinking well 
When I was having my boiled egg and soldiers treat, yes, a dippy egg, a runny egg, I know Americans find that very, very distasteful. I, uh, I saw that, uh, you know, by adding some salt and adding some apple cider vinegar, the eggs do not crack. And I witnessed an egg with a hairline crack. I added some apple cider vinegar and nothing seeped through. The cider vinegar sealed the egg. And it made me think. In the worlds of athletics and sport, where people break a joint or there's a hairline fracture, could one inject apple cider vinegar to prevent any further sprain or breakage or anything along those lines? Would the apple cider vinegar on the bone in the leg or the arm or wherever it is, maybe the thorax, prevent any further breaking or splittage or injury? I think this is a marvellous, uh, marvellous discovery, a scientific masterpiece that I've come up within the week. And whilst you've got your apple cider vinegar out, and we'll talk about the great vinegar disaster tomorrow, I've decided, you know, if you've got any warts, we're not going to go into any details of where the warts may be, but you get your apple cider vinegar, preferably Bragg's with the mother, soak the cotton ball with the ACV, as it's known, and place on the wart. Cover cotton ball with Band-Aid and leave overnight. Repeat daily for the week and the wart will disappear. My daughter had a wart on her toe. We treated it with apple cider vinegar vociferously over the course of a number of days. And the wart disappeared like magic. I do feel that apple cider vinegar on sprains and breaks could cause all sorts of scientific improvements it could be a revolution it could be an epiphany when it comes to science of our top 10 dog breeds to share a bed with i think if it were a border collie you have to be very careful because you can uh, recreate or develop your own separate uh, hair duvet uh, because of all the shedding and everything else don't forget you don't need an extra blanket on with a border collie because they'll leave a layer of hair on there but Yorkshire Terriers, best dogs to have in your bed, but watch out for the potential barks in the night. Shih Tzus, like Yorkies, Shih Tzu are a solid sleeping buddy, but they may bark during the early hours if disturbed. Cavachons, Cavachons is the mixture of the Cavalier King Charles and a Bichon Frise, tied with the Cockapoo for cute snooze companionship. Pomeranians is so small that they can simply curl up on the bed without taking over too much space, but keep an eye on the fluffy shedding and the occasional worth. British Bulldogs are perhaps surprise entering the list of best dogs to share a bed with. A British Bulldog with low amounts of shedding, barking and a very relaxed temperament. According to research, pups would make very good sleeping companions, but watch out for the drool. Poodles, larger breed poodles are hypoallergenic, so they're good to snooze with from those suffering with allergies, but they have a tendency uh, to be a touch yappy if alarmed and bark in the night. Chihuahuas are the OGs of handbag dogs, but while they seem like easy option, their barking hinders your chance of a solid night's sheep. And schnauzers are also a familiar favorite breed, yet their high energy levels uh, mean that it may take some time to settle. So as you think about rubbing your apple cider vinegar on any sort of warts that you may have, uh, I've got some other breaking news. A man who stole Viagra from the pharmacy is not a hardened criminal, says his lawyer. 
are Britain's grafters or slackers? Listen up, slackers. Our Prime Minister, or our next Prime Minister, wants a bit more graft from us. British workers produce less per hour, says Liz Truss, in a muffled recording unearthed last week. It's partly a mindset and attitude thing. If you go to China, it's quite different. There's a fundamental issue between British work and culture. If you go to a richer country, a more prosperous country, that needs to change. Seasoned Truss watchers uh, will not be surprised. She also co-authored Britannia Unchained, which suggested British workers among the worst idlers in the world. Britain's economy has slumped somewhat of late. Does Truss have a point. How hard do British workers really work and could they do with a bit more graft? Mercifully, we're working fewer hours than we did in 1870 when Britain had the highest per capita GDP in the world. Full-time production workers did 2,755 hours a year in Britain according to the 2007 study. Minus 14 days of holiday that equated to a 57-hour working week. This was less uh, than in every other rich western nation the typical belgian worker was toiling away for 72 hours a week over the next 150 years working hours in most rich countries shrank by more than a third to 1500 and 1700 a year as people became richer and leisure became less cheaper thanks to better tools we do not need to toil as long as in the factories and fields to make the same amount of stuff we became more productive britain's is not quite the productivity laggard that we thought, even though for the dodgy data, our productivity is still 13% behind the G7 average and has grown only slowly since the financial crisis. The one thing Truss and Co. won't talk about, though, is Britain has underinvested in capital. So if British workers are indeed less productive, it's because we have too many of them using shovels and not enough of them using diggers. Pork markets. After my uh, yellow turmeric-covered florets, a bright orange bird was also found on the side of the A41 road near the motorway was spotted for an unusual look. After someone caught it into the folks at Tiggy Winkle's Wildlife Hospital in Aylesbury, they took the tropical bird in, not knowing where it flew in and assumed it was exotic. But a quick wash later, they realised it was just a seagull covered in curry and turmeric. Fittingly, they called him Vinny after Vindaloo, so at least your late night benders and uh, <laughs> covered up in last night's curry, so don't worry, you're not the only one. Rescuers found that Vinny had somehow managed to dip into the curry and get it all over his white feathers, and thankfully the Curacigo wasn't harmed or injured or unable to fly. We have no idea how it got into this predicament, but thankfully apart from the vibrant colour and pungent smell, he was healthy. This bright orange herring girl was rescued. Kind members of the public spotted him on the A41. When they called it in to say they picked up an orange bird, we had no idea what to expect. But after a quick scrub, which mildly annoyed the bird, he'd soon be ready to release back into the wild. Our veterinary team bravely bathed the gull to clean off his feathers. He also managed to cover them in curry water, but eventually did let us scrub him clean. He's now looking much, much better. Following the page, joked Vinny always longed to be a golden eagle and thanked the team for the swift rescue. Let's hope Vinny doesn't go for another Indian anytime soon. Uh, maybe he should stick to the korma or try another type of foreign food, the gul goulash. Very British problems official on Twitter, my favourite Twitter handle out there. And here we have this week's September the 1st, a huge urge for a roast dinner. A few weeks ago, it was so hot I thought my head might literally melt like an Easter egg in an oven. Now I'm thinking about what sort of big coat I need to buy this year. 
And on the September to-do list, eat orange-coloured soup, wear jumpers even if it's hot, generally regret dressing for January, try not to look at the news, notice October is heading our way very quickly, hang on, it's already November, already for Christmas, Happy New Year. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. It's been marvellous having you here. Long weekend ahead here in the US uh, with Labor Day coming up. And we'll try to fit another podcast in before the uh, end of the weekend just for jollies. But if you like the podcast, like and subscribe wherever you can. We really appreciate the support on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify as an audio, Slacker Breaker, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible. Uh, you can also listen on Google Podcasts. You can hear, listen on Amazon Music as well. You can almost listen anywhere. In fact, when those people were washing the bird of the Vindaloo, the seagull from the Vindaloo, as it was flapping its curry-flavoured wings all over the people, you could hear Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese emanating from the yellow droplets of the gull. But we do have a lovely little poem coming up for you next. This is by Wordsworth. Departing summer hath assumed an aspect tenderly illumed the gentlest look of spring that calls from yonder leafy shade, unfaded yet prepared to fade, a timely caroling. No faint and hesitating trill, such tribute as to the winter chill that lonely redbreast pays, clear, loud and lively as a dim, from the social warbles gathering in their harvest of sweet lays. Nor doth example fail to cheer me, conscious that my leaf is sere, and yellow on the bough fall rosy garlands from my head, ye myrtle wreaths your fragrance shed around a younger brow. Yet I will be temperately joyed, wide of the range, and free the choice of undiscordant themes which haply kindred souls may prize, yet less than vernal ecstasies and passions feverish dreams. For deathless powers to verse belong, and they like demigods are strong, on whom the muses smile, and from their function they have disclaimed, best pleased with what is appellist, framed to enervate and defile. Not such the initiary strains committed to the silent pains in Britain's earliest dawn, trembled the groves, the stars grew pale, while all too daringly the veil of nature was withdrawn. Nor such despite-stirring note, when the live chords Alceus smote, inflamed by the sense of wrong, woe to the tyrants from the leer, broke threateningly to sparkles dire of fierce vindictive song. And not unhallowed was the page by winged love inscribed to assuage the pangs of vain pursuit, love listening, while the lesbian maid with finest touch of passion swayed on her own Aluian lute. O ye who patiently explore the wreck of the Herculean lore, what rapture could ye see some Theban fragment or in scroll, our precious tender heated scroll of pure Simonides? That were indeed a genuine birth of poesy, a bursting forth of genius from the dust, what Horace glory to behold, what marrow love shall unfold, can haughty time be just? So as I leave you today to join you again before the close of the weekend from my little, little audio podcasting shack here, my trusty, rusty one iron behind the door that I use as a deterrent for any particular burglar. 
and also to practice my alignment. And from my ginger biscuits that are on the bed here, I may need to do some ginger stem cell research a little bit later on and tuck into a couple. Until next time, it's Chappy out. Cheerio. Pork markets. And it, 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 terrific. Pork markets. And it, 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 terrific.